So we're going to be talking about the physician today in our spirit life. And we're going to be talking about some things that I believe God wants us to know. As a minister, uh, I'm not the doctor, Jesus is. But I'm his assistant today, I'm his PA. And I want to pass some things along that he has given us to study. All doctors go to school and they study, they have tests, they have to pass the test in order to be qualified to take care of people like you and me. As, as PAs, we go to school, we learn the word of God. It's not only for our good, but it's so that we can use it to transpire and encourage others. It, the word of God is our weapon when the enemy comes in like a flood. It's not what I say, it's what God has to say. It's Christ in us that helps us win the battle. And many times our battlers and the struggles that we face are only answered through God's word. Have you ever heard this in a desperate, desperate moment from an individual or a friend you may know? I just don't understand. We've all been there. We've all said that. Most of us have anyhow. In that moment, we need to know that the great physician, his name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's with us 24-7. You don't have to call to make an appointment. He's on call 24-7. And let me tell you, before you get there, the bill has already been paid. I didn't know what it was to go to a doctor and have an exam. I didn't know what it was to to go to somebody that when I was having challenges and, and uh, I, I didn't know until I became 67 and enrolled in what you call Medicare <laughs> that you could get that bill paid. Amen. So it's Medicare, getting old isn't all that bad sometimes. You just can't do what you used to do and you can't always go where you want to go but don't, don't criticize it. God made this body so one day we could get out of other people's way so young people could step in and take the role of leadership. But in a life journey today, I want to talk to you, and I have some scriptures that I want to share with you, and I'd just like to talk to you about our life, where we are, our responsibility. Nobody's going to take care of you like you, unless you're Sherry's grandchildren. Now, I'm telling you, that lady is gifted, and I'm not saying that... Uh, uh, as a, in a critical way, she's gifted. If you don't believe me, you, you talk to our grandchildren. She'll text them at 12 o'clock and ask if the t- temperature's set at 73 and if they've got enough cover to make it through the night. <laughs> it's not quite that serious, but almost isn't, Deidre. You know why? In a young age, we feel that parents and grandparents are nosy when they do this. As we grow more mature, we think they're pretty wise maybe you've texted your grandchild at a moment and you said what are you doing and if you could only heard what they didn't say to you how did you know what I was doing but we have a physician his name is Jesus his name is Emmanuel he's with us always and the bills are paid you can call upon him no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter what you may be ailing with I want you to know it's all about our heart And just like our heart that takes care of the body, the blood flow in our life, I want to just lay a little groundwork about the fleshly heart that keeps this house that my spirit lives in healthy. In a normal person, a heart beats 70 times a minute, 100,000 times a day. 40 million times a year and during a a single day, a ventricle pumps about 11,000 quarts a day or 265 million quarts in a lifetime. That's what keeps me singing as I go in the normal. 
If an elevator could be harnessed to this marvelous engine inside of us, you could get on an elevator at ground floor and reach the fifth floor in the building in about an hour. That's the source of energy that flows through this house that our spirit lives in. And I never wanted to rush through this because I wanted to identify with the fact that God is a creator and he put this all together. So don't call it a mess. He doesn't deal in messes. No wonder that our life, our body is a marvelous instrument. No, no wonder that God allowed us to have physicians that could help us when we've made the wrong turn or we've overexercised or we've done some things that causes harm to the house that our spirit lives in. As we talk about the natural heart, well, I'm going to compare it this morning with the spiritual heart that God gives every believer when we become born again. He puts inside of us desires. He puts inside of us things that allows us to know when good things happen. How to respond when good things happen. I don't know whether you remember it or not, but when Denisa, our oldest daughter, who's now uh, several years younger than Sherry, about 19 years younger than Sherry, maybe 17 years younger than Sarah, Sherry, maybe, well, we'll go, she'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> it's life, it's life. And, and I found one thing, the, 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 when you can look in the mirror and laugh at yourself, you're healthy. But, but, but when, when Denisa was born, I'll never forget a doctor that took care of us. Uh, he said, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of this. You go out and wait in the, in the waiting room. We don't have any room for you in the delivery room. I went out in the waiting room, and I, I could only imagine what was going on. But I'll never forget when uh, they finally invited me in three or four hours later and said, it's all over, we, the baby's wrapped up and Sherry has it in, in her room. I'll never forget the, the, the day when I looked upon what we had been waiting on for several months. It was hours. It took two of us to put it together. And I was so proud, even though I looked worse than she did. We'd been in the hospital for four days waiting on this big delivery. And, and, and I know I was ready to to be uh, buried when she finally got here. But you know what? God empowers us. He gives us ability. He gives us the knowledge. He, he knows how to put things together for us. And when our natural heart begins to have challenges and fail to work properly, we have some of the greatest people in all the world that can help us get back on track. Sometimes they can only give us information, but they tell us where to go to get the, the pill or the, the plan that will help our condition to, to become well. We know that our condition, again, of our heart determines the quality of our life. If there are bondages or there are blockages when we go to see a heart doctor, he, he wants to arrange a time when we can come back. I've stood with families if, as the doctors have gone in with their instruments and they have found a blockage and come out in a few minutes and tell the family members, we found a blockage, we uh, put a stent or two where it needed to be, uh, if everything goes good, we'll, we'll be sending your, your mate home with you this, late this evening or in the morning. It's awesome to how our medical society has, has brought us to the hour in which uh, we are today. My, my aunt from Anadarko was one of the first heart patients in Oklahoma City, and she passed on the operating table. It was just the beginning stages of where we are now. But doctors had to apply their knowledge and their wisdom to bring us to where we are. Jesus went the full distance for you and I, so that you and I could have a heart filled with the elements that will cause us to live successfully, healthy, work, live wisely, and be a contribution to society. And as if 
as we look at this this morning, uh, there are things that causes our heart not to function properly. It's called blockages. That's a reason for stents. And, and sometimes it's, uh, when stents aren't uh, the answer, then they talk to a patient about an open heart surgery. We even have people, doctors today, that can tell the rhythm of a heart is out of rhythm. Let me ask you, is there anybody besides pastor that your heart's really got out of rhythm when your heartbeat began to beat real fast and you were terribly upset? Thank you, Craig. Craig, I want to tell you, I want to pass you a compliment. I uh, sat in the football bleachers a couple of weeks ago on Friday night. This gentleman who never sits in that area of the bleachers, he come up and sat behind me and he said, Orville, I want you to know one thing. I, every morning when I get in my company pickup, he said, I already have my, my uh, 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 telephone on. And he said, I'm listening to the podcast of your sermon. And he said, not only did I get your sermon, I get to hear Craig laugh. Craig, you preach louder than I do sometimes. He, he included you in the message. Anyhow, back to, back to the story this morning. The average specialist, heart specialist, can usually check the condition of our heart, know what to do and when to do it. I want to talk to you this morning about what the Word says about our heart. And I want to, I want to read to you some scriptures. And God has given us all a heart. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 27, it says, My son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. Guard your hearts, what David is saying. Guard your heart with all diligence. And he, then he gives us a reason why. For out of your heart springs the issues of life. Do you know when you're angry down here and, and you, you have made up your mind, maybe it's something you've heard, your mind begins to process that, and then all at once you start to get angry, and then all at once something down here begins to flow back into your mouth. How many knows that our mouth is the outlet of what happens down here? A bad thought will not send you down the wrong track, but I can tell you, till you meditate upon that, stay on that bad thought long enough, and then it goes down here and you begin to digest it, then you're in for trouble. Very quiet, but I know I'm on the right road. And as we process this, the sermon this morning, David says, keep your heart with all diligence. What's that mean? Well, I'm reminded out, out of what uh, Proverbs has to say about the things that give our heart life and the things that hinder our heart from functioning properly. And, but back to verse 24, it says, put away from you a deceitful mouth. Proverbs 18, uh, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We can speak words of life, we can speak words of death. It's my option, but I can tell you, my mouth is motivated by what I've thought about and what I've di digested. And no matter what comes our way, there are two options nearly every time. You can say the good thing, or you can say the thing that's not so good. You can burp, or you can bless. And it's all up to our decision. You can do what you want. Moving on. Let your eyes look straight ahead. The enemy's going to do everything he can with all of us to distract us. And he knows what it takes to distract us. Well, maybe I'm not, I'm not distracted by, by this, and somebody else may be. Maybe, you, my, maybe I'm attracted by this, and you're not. And all through life, 
the, we, we, we program what God's Word has to say to keep our heart healthy. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Put away from you bad things about other people. And put, put a zipper on your lips. If you can't say something good, don't say it at all. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Yeah. A family member was, was telling me a story of just this past week. They went to stay with another member of our family. They had the most awesome dog that you could ever keep in a house. And one evening, this person got ready to go to the restroom. He stepped out, and the first thing he did, he stepped in some passings of the dog. And it wasn't liquid. That dog became the ugliest thing that my, my, the person in my family almost called her by name. That, he, that dog immediately became a, a foe instead of a friend. <laughs> nobody likes to take steps like that. Well, let me say that. That may be in a physical way, but nobody likes to take bad steps spiritually either notice what he said don't turn to the right or the left remove your foot from evil and then i skip over to jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things i want to just stop here just a minute and tell you the bible says man is a few days of age and full of trouble nobody in this building was ever born again until you became the age of accountability. And then the day you knew right from wrong, if, you were, if, if my parents had been your parents by six years of age, you, or four years of age, you would have known right from wrong. In the process of life, we learn early. And there comes a time in our spirit life when we become old enough to be accountable for what we do spiritually. And the day that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Lord reaches down into our heart and he takes that heart of flesh and he gives us a heart of the spirit. Yeah. And he tunes that spirit so it's in tune with him. And at that moment, we become, we call this as Christians, being born again. Being born again doesn't come because we sign a, a, a membership card. Being born again doesn't come because we've been sprinkled or immersed in water. Being born again is simply when we take Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 at what it says. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, saying, Lord, I am a sinner. And believe in your heart that God raised from the dead. Lord, I know you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no way my sins could be washed away. But if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you can be saved. What, you, what that says, you can be born again. What that really says in a spiritual and a, in a physical way, I'm going to take the heart of flesh out of you and I'm going to give you a heart of the Spirit. And the Bible says the reason we need to guard our heart is because every issue we will ever deal with comes from our heart. Every issue. If you're mad this morning, it's because there was an issue that came up. If you're happy this morning, it's because of some issues that you have been enjoying in the journey of life. But it's my responsibility to keep my heart with all diligence. We live in such a blaming world today. One day I was asking myself in, in study time, why are we living in such a negative world? And then I opened my Bible, I went to the book of Genesis, and I see where the blaming game began. It was with Adam and Eve. Right. 
And since that day, it's just the, it's just the, it's just the, 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 the natural thing to do when we do wrong. It's always easy to blame someone else. That's the reason he's, that the Bible says, ponder your path. Think about where you're going. Think about where your feet's going. God has given us feet to stay on the right path. However, there's another path to, talk, to walk. And if you'll stay on the right path in all your ways that you'll acknowledge him, he will establish your footsteps. Don't turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. And then back to Jeremiah. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God in me knows how wicked my heart was before Jesus gave me a heart transplant. And he can do exceeding abundantly and above all that I'm able to think or ask. How he can make, give me that heart transplant was a miracle. And the reason he could do that is because I prayed the sinner's prayer. Not because I was so good looking. No, not because I, I was a wealthy person. He, he let that happen because I invited him to. And I can tell you as a physician, he's on call. He wants to minister to your needs no matter where you're at in the journey of life. He wants to step into your life and turn the water into wine. He wants to turn it bitter into sweet. He wants to turn uh, 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 tears of sorrow into joy. And he can only do that by invitation. Jeremiah, verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. In other words, what he's saying is we are going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap what we sow. My dad, you, my dad knew that early in life. And when I would do some unpardonable things, he said, Son, don't forget these words. You're going to reap what you sow. You know, I didn't know what I sowed could draw so much interest. But not only have I paid back, I've paid back with the interest. But you know what? God is not willing that any should perish, but the law should repentance. And he wants us to know that no matter where we're at in a journey of life, he's, man looks on the outward appearance. The Bible explains that to us. We see things and we're attracted by things that are beautiful, things that look good, things that appeal to the eye. We, we are attached. We can become attached to many things of what we see. God isn't attracted by what he sees on the outward appearance. He said, I'm looking on your heart, and I want you to have a healthy heart. I want you to live and to breathe, and you, you live, move, and have your being. And I want you to know that comes from the great physician, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, the great physician of the world told Ezekiel, an old prophet of God, to go tell the children of Israel who had backslidden. They had, every time God would do something good, they would just be on the mountaintop, and all at once they would disconnect from God, and they would go their way, and it wasn't long till they were in deep trouble. And then he would send somebody to minister to them, and they would, they would make an about face. They would start following the Lord again, and he would redeem them. But this day he sent Ezekiel, this old prophet of God, to tell him that, that he was looking on the heart. And he sees a condition of their heart. And he's ready to give them a heart transplant. And here's what Ezekiel chapter 36 and 24 begins with. Tell them I'll take from them. I'll take them from the nation that they're living in. And I'll gather them out of all the countries that they're living in. And I'm going to give back their homeland. 
Then I'll sprinkle clean water on them and they'll be clean. I'll cleanse them from all their filthiness and from all their idols. I'll give them a new heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of the stone out of the flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within them and cause you to walk in my statutes. You'll keep my judgments and do them. Then you will dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you will be my people and I will be, be your God. I ran across a scripture this week. And I begin to think about how our spiritual heart flows. The Bible says it's like a well springing up into everlasting life. Let me t- take you back to the day that the well began to flow. The day that, that the Lord walked into our life and we became born again, there was a river inside of us that comes out of us. It's really our spirit, but the Bible likens it, it parallels it to a spring of living water. And, and Jesus, the great physician who put it there, says, He that believeth in me... The, the things that I do shall he do also. He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being. One translation says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Again, he's talking about the spirit. A, a good heart releases a great spirit. A good heart that's stayed in tune with the Lord, that's been with a physician daily and talked to him. Lord, I need your help. I'm facing things that I can't handle. I'm, I'm doing some things I don't want to do as a Christian. I'm, I have some things that I want, to, I want to see victory in. And at that time, that time, the well begins to flow inside of us. And dis, inside of, instead of discouragement and defeat, God gives us his word to speak to speak out of our mouth and the more you learn to speak his word over your business the better off you're going to be the more you learn to speak God's word over your children over your finances over your health the better off you're going to be I stood with a great friend of mine I served on the school board while he was one of the leaders in our school I got an invitation, always go to the back door and come on in. You don't need to knock. He and I were almost like brothers. I'd ask him for favors to keep school facilities off of the Friday night so we could have fifth quarter, and he did a great job. In response, I had supported the school during the years that I was on school board. One morning I walked in, one of the first mornings I walked in, and here's these words. Well, Orville, my dad died with a heart attack when he was a certain age. My granddad died with a heart attack when he was a certain age. And my great-grandfather died too. And he was a very young man. He told me the age when he was uh, uh, this age. He died with a heart attack. He said, what chance do I have? Listen, folks, we don't live by chance. What he was telling me was there was a generational curse that was flowing through his, his life. And he didn't know that he had the power to break that generational curse. And he wasn't preparing for healing. He wasn't preparing for victory. He was getting the graveyard ready and he was digging his own hole. You say, how can you say that? Because the word says that the power of life and death is in my tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. I grew up with a, with a situation in my my life that I really had to pray as I got, got older. I had one parent that would say, when I would fail, he, he would say, I, I knew I couldn't trust you before I give you the privilege. And I grew up with that. It was a heaviness. I don't mind telling you, everything in the preacher's house isn't always perfect. Don't shout me down. I lived there. That's where I came from. The reason I ran from the ministry for many years is because I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to live there. But I can tell you, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And when the enemy comes to your house and, and, and he, you, he rings your doorbell at 1 o'clock and you know he's not a friend, I'm telling you, you're not going to sleep through the attack when he starts kicking your door down. If you've got a 357, you you're ready for that booger to open that door. That's right. 
You have an enemy in the spirit realm that wants to destroy you. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yes, amen. Ronnie knows my ability uh, with weapons. And uh, he gave me a pistol that I could hold in my hand. I, I could have brought it this morning. I didn't. But I, and then he, uh, then he gave me some ammunition because he knew I'd be lost when I went to the store if I didn't take the pistol to show him what, what kind of rounds that I needed. Why do you call them rounds when you put them in a cylinder? <laughs> I guess because the cylinder's round, isn't it? Yeah. That weapon is still in my... Uh, I almost told you where I was hit. I, I don't want to say... I don't want to give away my treasure secret. <laughs> I have family members that might find that. My wife doesn't even know where it's hid. But I've got it just in case. Amen. Listen to me. You need to know that when the enemy comes in, you have a weapon. What the enemy's going to do, he's going to try to fill, he's going to try to, he's going to do everything he can to keep your, the wealth from flowing in your, out of your heart. He wants to kill the spirit. He wants to discourage. He wants to defeat you. He wants to depress you. And you know what depression is? It's just negative thinking and dwelling on the wrong thing too long. And you know what? You and I, the Bible says, guard your heart. It's important that you know what to do if you're depressed. Get up and do something about it. Change your thought process first. Start thinking about the goodness of God. Start thinking about your ability. Start thinking about Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I've used it every time that I was on the cliff and one foot was slipping. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I, I've lived close to the edge. I'll never forget one, moment, one afternoon when I took off from the airport in Paul's Valley. I was, driving, I was flying uh, an A36. It was a nice plane, only had 200 hours on it. A man had gotten in trouble, and he had to sell it. I bought it at what he, what, he paid, what he liked having it paid for. But I knew it had a problem. I had, order, had the part ordered, but the part wasn't as... Hasn't, hadn't been installed. I took for off from the airport that morning. I got up about 4,500 feet and the engine quit. When an engine quits and you're 4,500 feet and there's no ladder down, down to the earth, you're going to do one thing. You're either going to start praying or you're going to start thinking real fast. I knew when that engine failed that it was out of gas. It never coughed. It never sputted. That windmill just quit turning. And immediately, I knew that the, I knew that the uh, computer on the gas gauge had failed on one side. Of the, 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 gas, the gas tanks were on the wings. I had a, uh, uh, air, uh, air, uh, gasoline tank in one wing and the other. I, and immediately, I reached down and flipped that switch, and immediately the plane started flying again. You'll never know what 10 seconds of silence sounds like. Will they, Blake? Blake is a pilot too. God is good. He's a, he's a, the Bible says he's a, a great help in the time of need. He knows if our trust is in him. And listen to me, I trust him all the time, but I don't want to wait till I get in trouble to say, help me, Lord. 
every day the enemy's going to do everything he can to plug up the well inside of, my, inside of me to keep me from being joyful, to keep me from being happy, to keep me from saying good things, to keep me from having the faith to believe that Romans 8, 28 is working for me today even though I hadn't responded to it. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God according to his purpose. Sometimes I haven't had time to process that, but I can tell you one thing. I know my physician by name. Hallelujah. I know his voice when he calls. I got acquainted with him early in life, but then I rejected him, and I tried everything and I could to drown him out, but he was still standing at my heart's door knocking. Here's some things that will stop the flow from your well spiritually. And I want to tell you this because the Bible says it's your responsibility to guard your heart with all diligence. What do, give me a good definition of what diligence is. Come on, we got school teachers here. We, we got retired engineers. Blake, what is a good definition of diligence? Thorough, thorough, yeah, yeah. Thoroughly, thoroughly guard your heart, thoroughly. Don't leave any windows unlocked. Make sure the doors are locked. Make sure that your security system is on. And then it doesn't hurt to ask your companion, are you sure the back door is locked? Did you check the lock on the front door? Yeah, I, I made the round. The Bible says check, check, check the flow of your life with all diligence. Be sure. Here's some things the enemy tries to stop the flow of the Spirit within our life. He'll call somebody to say something that really hurts. And instead of putting that in a trash can and saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The enemy wants you to meditate on that, and the more you meditate, the madder you can get. And then it isn't long till it festers, and we call it unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses on followers of Jesus Christ to stop the flow of joy, to stop the flow of, of your faith, to believe that God is who he says it is. It stops the flow of what we believe in God. We get so focused, we get depressed, and we get... We get so obsessed with our emotions and our emotions get out of the way. But simply because somebody said something that was not digestible in my spirit. Yep. Remember the ship? It's got the power to make it to its destination. The things on the outside of that ship, as long as they're placed in order, can't sink the ship. But I'm telling you, when we allow unforgiveness, when we allow things that we see, things that we hear, contaminate, we begin to take on. Let me tell you a real issue that, that, that I see our world having today. And the reason I know they're having it is because I have an issue with it, too. Politics on your TV screen. When one untruthful person says something to another untruthful person. I don't mind telling you, the spirit of slap. There's several times, Jim, I just almost kicked the screen of that TV. You know, during that moment, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. And you know, what we're allowing to be heard and seen is pulling us into the arena. And what we're seeing and we're hearing is calling, call, causing us to come unglued at the, see, at, at the seams. And we want to start throwing stones when actually we need to reach inside and remove the stone because it's going to stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. Families are divided. 
Nation, our nation is divided. The Bible says a house that's divided can't stand. Families lose their contact when the enemy is able to bring division in the house. I have a great friend who was facing an issue with a family. And, uh, and he came to me and he talked to me about it. He said, I'm going I'm to move to another area. I'm not going to let a business deal divide our family. I've said that man is not going to let the enemy stifle the flow of the well in his life. Did you know the Bible gives us what we call the discernment of the Spirit? And he wants you to discern what's good and what's wrong. He wants you to know what's evil and what's not. That doesn't mean that we're going to live a perfect life. It just means that when we discern that things are going in the wrong direction in our life, Mama doesn't have to tell me. It's the great physician. He's looking at my heart. He sees the thoughts and intents of my heart. He sees the direction it's taking me. And believe you me, I've gone the direction way too many times in life. But the great physician, physician is when, when you've ate the food that you shouldn't have ate, when you've done the things that the doctor prescribed, don't do this, don't do this. Don't do this. I'm, I'm looking out for your good. Don't do this. In the spirit realm, we, the great physician tells us the same thing spiritually. My yes. urologist of nine years retired a few days ago. And I'll never forget. He said something that I didn't digest real well, and I've been a very naughty boy. Nobody loves cashews and peanuts and mixed nuts any better than me, especially with a great Pepsi. You can just feel the just salt, just trying to eat the Pepsi and the Pepsi eating the salt as you drink it. I've been real, real good with following his direction and other things, but, I, but I've been a bad boy when it comes to that. But you know what? He didn't follow me home to see that I was going to do that. He just gave me the direction. And he knew that I was the age of accountability, and he knew it was up to me to guard my own heart. Doctors don't tell you things to destroy you. They have the same thing in mind when they tell you what to do. They want to, they want to lengthen your steps. They want to lengthen your life. They want you to be a healthy person so that you can enjoy your kids, your grandkids, and you can still do the things that God has sent you to this earth to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm asking you this morning, if you have th- something in your heart, and you know it shouldn't be there. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's hard feelings. Maybe somebody did you wrong. Maybe your lover walked out on you, and you heard that, that mate say, I will take you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, so long as you both shall live. And maybe it's been ages since that you heard that, that vow, and that vow has been broken, but it's also stifled the flow of the Holy Spirit out of your life. Every time you wanted to do something or enjoy something, immediately that began to rise up and stifle the real person. Listen, God knows who the real guy is this morning. I'm looking at people that are real guys today. I'm looking at the family of God this morning. And as a PA, I want you to live healthy spiritually. I want you to live wise. I, I, there's nothing that causes me to scream any louder when I, than when I read, read the statistics that five out of ten marriages, whether you're a churchgoer, a tender, or whether you're not, will div- wind up in the divorce court this year. 
What's even more alarming to me is five out of ten ministers will go to the sports court today and say, I call it quits. Listen, God didn't call us to be quitters. I can testify of 60 years. I have said I'm sorry to the lady that took me for better or for worse more than any man in this world. And I didn't, couldn't see what was going on, but I'm sure there's been a time or two she says, I wonder if this is real. Well, I am real. I'm the real deal for her life. You know what the Bible says? Watch your eyes. Keep your steps. The Bible says our steps are ordered. Nobody, nobody's going to f- follow you out of the clinic and see if, how you're going to walk. Our steps are ordered by the great physician. When you hurt, he hurts. The Bible says he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He's, he's not slack concerning his promises. He's looking for the ability, the, the availability that we will make him today so that he can make a deposit in our life to keep us on the right road. Right. How many are taking vitamins today to keep you spurred on the right road? Don't raise your hand. How many are keep, taking vitamins today so that your hair don't fall out? Don't raise your hand. How many are dyeing your hair this morning? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. Let me, uh, let me see. How many are doing everything they can to be the best you can? Well, that's the reason the Lord sent me here 40 years ago to tell you we're in the same ship. We're going the same direction. He needs everyone to stay on board. Don't jump ship. I don't care how tough it gets. No, please don't jump ship. Stay with the ship of Zion. God God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Keep the well of life flowing out of your innermost being. The Bible says, out of our innermost being flows the rivers of living water. God didn't just put enough in just for you and your spouse. He put enough in you so you could not only be saturated, but you could give to a world that doesn't know anything about Jesus Christ. He's given you an opportunity to serve in, in children's ministry and, and teenage ministry today. He's given you enough, more than enough for yourself so you will have somebody, something to give to somebody that's less fortunate than you. Jared's facing kids this today, raised by single parents, all because mom and dad didn't make it, or maybe mom, there was no dad in the picture. And you try to fill in the blanks. You do everything you can. I, and I can tell you, sometimes we come home, and we're even after Sunday services or Wednesday night services, and you just feel totally exhausted because you've given all that there is to give. driving a bus for many years. I'd pick up from 20 to 60 angels. And when that last little demon got off my bus, <laughs> I learned to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The bus always run faster on the way home because I was saying, thank you, Jesus. Are there opportunities to quit? Absolutely. Been t- for, for many years, I'd leave here Sunday, and before I'd get to the corner, I'd say, Lord, I've had all I can handle. I did what you asked me to do. I'm through. Monday morning's coffee would smell so good, and by the time that second pot was drank, I said, Lord, we'll give her one more week. It's a day-by-day walk with the Lord. It's a moment-by-moment walk with the Lord. There's no supermans in the family of God. 
We just have a heavenly father that wants to reach down in your life today and give you the power. I, I hear this quite often. I just, I just can't forgive that person. You don't know what they've done for me. I couldn't forgive them either without the presence of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm tired of working with that fool. He, all he does is nail me to the wall. I couldn't tolerate him either without the Holy Spirit. But the Bible gives us the power to overcome evil with good. The, power, the Bible gives us power to bound up with wings as eagles, to run and not be weary, and to walk and not faint. But it only comes when we keep the well. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Pastor, I just can't see where you're having any fun serving Jesus. In his presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Would you bow your head this morning? I would to God that I could say that every day of my life I, had gar I have guarded my heart. There have been times even in the ministry I've let down the guard and, and paid a horrible price. But I can tell you this morning, God never gives up on anybody. He's long-suffering. He'll stand at your door knocking until one day you open the door and say, Lord, I can't put it together. I'm going to have to have your help. And the Bible says he's a present help in time of need. You hear this morning? Maybe you're not guarding your heart like you know you should be. Maybe this morning you've let some things contaminate the flow in your life and you're not happy. You're looking for another, you're looking for an alternate course. You're ready to detour the path you're on. You don't even have assurance of what's going to happen the rest of this month, next month, the rest of the year. Things are just so uncertain today. I have good news for you. Why don't you make a decision this morning? Open your heart's door and invite Jesus into your life. Why don't you have the privilege, have the opportunity that's offered to all of us? To invite Jesus into your life this morning and say, Lord, my challenges are bigger than me. I've done all I know to do, and it just seems like things haven't turned for better. They've turned for worse. But Lord, I'm to guard my heart. And today, today, I want the things that I've allowed into my life to contaminate the flow in my life. I want to give them to you. I want to lay it all on the altar. I want to walk out here free because your word says, He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I want to walk out here living, Lord, knowing that you've given me the power to guard my own heart. Lord, help me forgive. Help me to forget. Lord, there's just some memories I can't forget. Give me the ability to forget those things, Lord, that contaminate my spirit and cause me to stay angry. Maybe there's a jealousy in your life. Somebody got the job you wanted. You didn't get the job you were qualified. They gave it to somebody else. And today, you're just filled with such malice and jealousy and hatred toward that person. If they only knew it, they would run for their life. Maybe there's envy and strife in the family this morning. No matter what it is. No matter what it is, I, I'm challenging you as my family this morning. Notify yourself, I'm going to set a guard around my heart today. 
I'm not going to give place to the enemy one more day because I know I'm responsible for my heart. And Lord, you said if I'd invite you, you'd come in. You'd make a way for me. You'd settle the difference. You'd settle the dispute. You'd make a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, not only for your goodness, but thank you for what your word promises. Lord, from this day forward, I'm going to take more time to spend meditating and thinking about your word and the promises you've given me so I can live a healthy life spiritually. And come what may, the word says when I'm for you, who can be against you? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. Let me ask you this morning. This message came from the great physician. This is not my word. I prayed, I asked God to give me something that would be beneficial to help you because you're my family and I want you to do good. I want you to prosper. I want you to have a healthy life. I want you to have healthy relationships. How many would you say this morning, Pastor, thank you for telling me the truth. There's some things in my life this morning that I haven't guarded my heart against and I'm dealing with them. Thank you for telling me the truth. Can I see your hands across this building? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you today. God bless you today. Would you stand? As Jared comes to close the service this morning in whatever way that he wants to close it, let me say this today. The enemy tries to tell you, you've gone too far. There's no way out of this. He's a liar. Every time he comes to your heart's door and he begins to tell you, your case is impossible. Tell him he's a liar. Tell him he's, in, he's trespassing. Tell him you're setting a guard over your heart. He has no place in your life. The Bible says give no place to the devil. He's real. He's, he's a real liar. He's a real enemy of all of our lives. And I encourage you when you leave here this morning, I want you to know when you leave here today that the great physician has every care in his hand and he wants to help you take care of that situation if you'll ask him. And he says that his word, cast the whole of your care upon me because I care for you. And he does. Pastor Jared, God bless.